Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you were having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 1.45 in the morning because I'm crazy, but also because I've just been uh, listening to the service from today and kind of mixing the music. I like to mess with it after the fact. Just Our band's really awesome, and it's really fun for me to uh, mix it in post and, you know, every now and then release a song for people to hear. Uh, anyway, um, we are going to be kind of celebrating uh, moms because it's our, our Mother's Day service and, and talking to and about moms. Uh, but right at the top, I just wanted to say, I know this is kind of a, a triggering um, thing for some people out there. And because of that, I just wanted to pass along a note from Hannah that she, she gave us at the beginning of the message. So uh, this is for you. I just want to say, before we jump into this, I know Mother's Day can be hard um, for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Maybe your relationship with your mom is not what you wanted it to be. Maybe your mom didn't show up for you as a kid. Maybe she wasn't there at all. Um, Maybe your mom has passed and this day is just kind of a reminder of how hard that is. Um, Or maybe you desperately want to be a mom and it just hasn't worked out yet. Or you've been through the grief of losing a child or having a miscarriage. The Mother's Day after my miscarriage, I couldn't even go to church. Like, I planned far in advance to not be there because I could not deal with the syrup. I was like, this is, everyone's going to be so happy, and I'm just going to be crying in front of everyone I know all day long. So I did not go. So if it's difficult for you for any reason for Mother's Day, please know your pain is valid. I see you. God sees you. Um, You're allowed to feel your emotions. You don't have to hide. And you don't have to celebrate. You can just be here and feel however you want to feel. Thank you so much for being with us today. We were really excited. Today was an awesome service. Uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of connect with us at a little deeper level. Um, If you want to let us know how you heard about us, um, if you want to shoot us an email with some feedback, if you want to give us a prayer request or there's something we can pray for you about, just go to diff.church on your phone, and that is like the coolest way you can connect with us. While you're there, uh, we are also in need of some volunteers to help out at the church around once a month. It's not a huge commitment. That's one of the things we wanted to do when we started uh, different was to not put a huge burden on the volunteers. Like everybody's busy throughout the week. The last thing that you need is, you know, tons and tons of commitments on the weekends. Uh, so we could use your help, but only around once a month. Um, and in June, we're going to be doing some work, uh, with St. Pete pride. We have a booth, I think like four days. And if you want to come hang out with, uh, Hannah's going to be there like all four days. I'll be there a couple days. Uh, Bree's going to be there a couple days. Uh, we would love for you to just come hang out with us and be a part of St. Pete pride. As I said, we are kind of talking to moms and celebrating moms today. And so with that, I just kind of wanted to leave in a song that we did today. It was like a spoof of Stacy's mom, if you remember that one. So that's going to play here in a second. So you can kind of hear what we did at the uh, beginning of Hannah's message. And then it's going to jump right into Hannah's message. A quick note, we had a little bit of technical issue with her microphone. Um, it's not too bad, but you can hear kind of like maybe a bad cable or something for a couple minutes. And then we switched it over to a handheld. So just be on the lookout for that. If you hear it and it's bothering you, just know that it does get better. All right. With that being said, let's give it up for Diff Church Moms. (laughs) 
That was possibly the best song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's pretty cool, Jarrett. That's why you're the director of the creative stuff. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Mother's Day. It's the only day in a lot of churches they let a lady speak. Guess what? I'm going to let myself speak. I'm a mom. Maybe I'll let a guy speak on Father's Day. Haha, ha, I won't. <laughs> I might. I don't know. I haven't planned it yet. Mother's Day is for everyone. You all assume, I, I assume, have been born? None of you were grown in the fetus fields like in the Matrix, in a pod? Um, so there's lots of moms at different church. If you're not a mom, then you are a support person for a mom. So Mother's Day is for everyone, and we are going to chat a little bit about God and about moms and what it's like to be a mom. And we're going to start at the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1, 1, and 2, which reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. First two verses of our entire Bible. A text for a day when we celebrate moms. But what does that have to do with Mother's Day? God hovering, God seeing, God breathing into the void. It's beautiful. It's holy. God brings the world into existence. I might even say God births the world. And here we're just going to take a little dive into how God is displayed to us. So in the first two verses of the Bible, God introduces God's self. And how does God do that? as both male and female. Now, this might be difficult to hear if you have grown up and you have only ever heard of God referred to in, or referred to as he, or in a gender neutral sense, okay? It might feel uncomfortable. So I just invite you to sit with it a little bit. Stick with me. I promise I'm not gonna let you drown, okay? Um, we're just gonna stick together. In the first two verses, God is both masculine and feminine. How do I know this? So the first verse, it says, in beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a singular masculine verb. He created. That's what it says in the Hebrew. And in the second verse, it says, the spirit of God hovered over the waters, which is a singular feminine verb. She hovered. And even the spirit, the word spirit there, which is wind or spirit, is feminine. The Hebrew word is ruach. He created and she hovered. And then later in the passage, if you keep reading, we see that God creates humans. And it says, let us create humans in our image, in our likeness. So God created them, male and female. And that actually makes a lot more sense to me if we think about, in light of Genesis 1, 1, and 2, where the hour of our image is coming from. In the first two verses of the Bible, God is presented as male and female, and in other places in Scripture. But for centuries, the church has caricatured every mention of God as either male or gender neutral. Now, I do quite often get the argument from people that um, God is beyond gender, okay? So we should only use gender neutral language when referring to God. Um, I got that in seminary a lot. They're like, only use gender-neutral things referring to God. Okay, that creates a lot of grammatical awkwardness. I don't know if you've ever tried to write a paper where you mention God about 100 times, and you have to say God's self 17 times. It doesn't work out. You end up having to restructure a lot of sentences. 
And aside from this grammatical awkwardness, I'm inclined to agree, like, God is beyond gender, of course. An infant divine has to be beyond all of our constructs, right? Beyond our language, beyond our ideas of male and female, beyond everything. But in another sense, God chooses to interact with our world. And the ideas of both masculine and feminine and everything in between has to be included in God because we are created in God's image. And for me, the point of contention lies not in the fact that God is somehow beyond gender. It lies in the fact that the femininity of God has been scrubbed from everything. It's been scrubbed from the books. It's been scrubbed from church services, scrubbed from faith communities. It's, labeled, it's been labeled as heresy to refer to God as a she, all in service of the patriarchy. And the masculinity of God, God as he, which I'm okay with, but it has been celebrated and exalted, and I might even say enforced. Like, in many churches, people's pronouns don't matter unless you're going to refer to God as something other than he, in which case people get very upset about pronouns. And what's the result of this? If God is not able to be she as well as he, then women's bodies are easier to abuse. Women can be viewed as property, as less than, as needing a relationship with a male to be complete. If God is not able to be she, then women are the weaker sex. Their thoughts and ideas can be viewed as inferior. Their work goes unrecognized and uncelebrated. It's women's work, it's called. If God can't be she, then the women who are called to stand in the gap between good and evil and preach the good news of Jesus Christ have been denied. And I get a little fired up about this, more so because I have a baby girl now. Like, there's, there's a certain level of, like, I'm going to fight you about it for me. There's another level when I think about my daughter and what she is going to be told. Hopefully, never here. But, like, by the church at large, what she is going to be told is she can and cannot do. And you might think, like, I'm just being too emotional or I'm exaggerating, or this doesn't happen anymore. It happens all the time, constantly. If you have grown up in church I, and you are a man, I guarantee you that the women around you can tell you stories about condemnation that they have received for speaking out about anything, but especially about God. When God is not she, women are not believed, and sadly, the church is one of the worst offenders in this area. And what I am saying is based on Genesis 1, 1, and 2 is that we are fundamentally wrong when it comes to never referring to God as she. It's in Genesis. It's in our sacred text. And if you want to be a biblical literist, literalist, <laughs> words. <laughs> I had coffee, but <laughs> it's not helping. If you would like to be a biblical literalist, that is what it says. He created and she hovered. And so I just invite you to participate in this exercise going forward. Like the next time you read your Bible, and you see the word spirit, substitute she for a couple weeks. See how it feels. It might feel awkward. It might feel uncomfortable. Just substitute it. And then whenever you see the word father in scripture, try substituting the word mother 50% of the time. And then report back to me. Like, I want to know if this affects you at all. I want to know if it changes your perspective on God. Here's a translation of Genesis 1, 1, and 2 from a Hebrew scholar named Will Gaffney, who is an incredible person and a womanist theologian, and she translates this directly from the Hebrew, and it says, In beginning, he, God, created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and shapeless, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while she, the Spirit of God, 
pulsed over the face of the waters. Here's another thing to think about when we think about the word he. Forgot. In Genesis, you know, we know God created and he worked for six days. And then on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. Of course he did. Let me ask you a question, moms. When was the last time you took a break? When was the last time you rested? When was the last time you had an hour to yourself to take a walk? Or a Saturday morning to get your nails done, or whatever you want to do. If getting your nails done is not your thing, sleep. <laughs> When's the last time you had dinner with a friend? No kids involved. When's the last time you took an overnight stay in a hotel by yourself so you could just eat whatever you wanted with no sticky fingers coming towards you and watch trash TV all night and then go to sleep? When was the last time you had a break? And I do not mean you got to take a hot shower. I understand like everything in the world is like, moms, you gotta remember to take a shower. Yeah, we know, okay? I don't think a shower counts as self-care. That's a basic human necessity. So it does not count as a true break, especially if you're hopping in and out and you're wondering why your kids are quiet or why they're screaming. And you're just like, I'm going to get in and scrub myself down. And then maybe you're trying not to cry the whole time. That does not count as a break. Now think about the partner in your life, if you have one. When was the last time they got a break? How do you feel about that? I'm sure you want them to have a break, right? You think they deserve a little rest because they work so hard. Why can we not apply that to ourselves? Last Saturday, I went over to my best friend's house. She lives like an hour away. And we ate tacos and I sat in her hot tub and we had adult conversation. Just kidding, we talked about our kids the whole time. <laughs> um, but it was glorious. I left at 3 p.m., I didn't get home until 9.30. And the whole drive there, I felt guilty. Because I wasn't gonna be there for Nova's bedtime or her bath time or for the walk that we take before she goes to bed. Like, oh, I'm gonna leave my baby. What if when we're thinking about taking a break, we reframe this, okay? I didn't need to feel guilty about leaving her. I was giving her a beautiful gift. I was giving her time alone with my partner. I was giving her just daddy-daughter time with Josiah. He normally has to share the snuggles. We call them baby snugs in our house. He has to share them, but because I wasn't there, he got all the baby snugs to himself. He got all the smiles and giggles at bath time to himself. It's her favorite thing in the world, bath time. He got to do that all by himself. He got all the little noises she makes when she's eating and uh, uh, the spit up afterwards. <laughs> he got that all to himself. He got all the sleepy little like bedtime cuddles to himself. I wasn't just getting a break and being with my friend. I was making space for the relationship that he has with her. Just like I need time with her, so does he. And some of you mamas need to hear me, okay? Give your partner the gift of time with your babies. Don't try to be around every second of every day doing everything. Don't go behind your partner and redo everything that they've done. So what if they don't do the bath time or the bedtime routine like you think they should? So what? So what if they feed the kids something that's not on the menu? So what if they snuggle on the couch and watch cartoons? So what if you thought they should snuggle on the couch and watch cartoons and they riled that baby up to 100 before bedtime? Do you know what kids need more than anything in the entire world? Connection. To know that they're loved and valued 
and safe. And you are not the only person they can feel that way with. Give your kids the gift of your partner and of other safe adults. And second, it's okay to say that this is hard. You don't need to pretend. I know you might feel lonely and sad and dysregulated sometimes or all the time. You don't have to slap a smile on. You can just be honest, but we have to learn how to do that without blaming our kids. And this is harder than it sounds. It's so easy to blame our kids for being difficult. To say, we're just being a lot right now. <laughs> to say it's their fault. Here's a phrase I want you to practice for when your kids are stressing you out. When they're not listening, when they're wailing, when they're melting down, my kid is having a hard time. Not giving me a hard time. This actually can apply to any relationship, relationship with your partner, relationship with your parents, relationship with your friends. They're having a hard time. They're not giving me a hard time. And I'll tell you why I'm talking about this, because being a mom is hard, like really stinking hard, and the newborn phase is horrible. Like if you were a mom and you just loved being pregnant, I'm so happy for you. I am truly happy for you, because I hated it. 99% of being pregnant, hated. The 1% that I liked was when I could start to feel her move around. That lasted for a couple of months until she was out of room, and then it hurt. <laughs> so she spent the last two months of her life in my belly with her butt jammed squarely into this rib, and her head smashed into my bladder. And um, what's really great is when you feel like you're about to throw up <laughs> and you have awful heartburn and you are starving, but everything you eat makes you feel like your stomach is boiling, what's great is then when your kid kicks you in the spleen. It's so delightful. Like, everyone should try it. I was sick for nine months straight. It was terrible. I hated it. And then she was born, and let me tell you, also terrible. <laughs> Giving birth, horrible, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I have never felt pain like that in my entire life. And you think it's over once the baby comes out? Oh no, they practically jump up and down on your stomach to get everything else out. I'm not gonna go into more details, okay, I know this is TMI, but um, then you're practically dying. I'm not being dramatic. You're practically dying, and then they pop this baby on your chest and they're like, congratulations. <laughs> and you're so tired and full of hormones that you literally just implode. Like, if it was possible, you would become a black hole and suck everyone else in with you. You get a couple of days in the hospital where they check on you every three minutes, um, especially right after you went to sleep. And then you get sent home. Good luck. Take care of this potato that cries and poops and, and doesn't sleep, but cries and poops and eats a lot and everything becomes about the baby. So for nine months, you have had doctor's appointments and people checking on you and like everything is about you. Like, can I help you? Can I carry things for you? Is there anything I can do for you? Oh, you're so beautiful, you're glowing, Ugh. Okay, nine months this happens. And then as soon as the baby is born, you get sent on your merry way. Good luck. But guess what postpartum care is? One doctor's appointment six weeks later. One. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> I have strong feelings about this. <laughs> good luck and goodbye. <laughs> we release you into the wild with a baby, okay? So for nine months, 
you've done this, right? And um, I knew I would be tired and that my body would hurt. And like, I knew, I thought I knew. <laughs> I had some idea of what it would be like, but I thought like I would at least enjoy the newborn phase since being pregnant sucked so hard. No. It was so hard. They call it the fourth trimester for a reason because that baby is not ready to be in the world. Like, if it could bake for another three months, that would be better for everybody. Uh, but they can't because then they won't come out. Like, you'd just explode. So my body was broken. I was in pain. I didn't get more of two hours of sleep in a row for, like, weeks on end. Nova screamed every night until she was six weeks old. She's had reflux since the beginning. It's so painful for her. I cried more in the first three months of her life than I have cried in years. And I said she was really difficult. I said I was gonna write a memoir about her called Much Ado About Everything. <laughs> like, and that's funny, right? But what did I really mean by that? Because I've had time to reflect now that I've had a little more sleep. What did I mean when I said she's so difficult? She wasn't difficult. What I meant was this is really hard. This is hard and I'm lonely, and I've never been so tired in my life, and my body hurts, and nursing is hard, and I'm barely keeping it together. How am I supposed to go back to work and be a person? And then I did go back to work, and I felt like I was drowning. And I wanted to enjoy that tiny baby that I've waited so long for, but I wasn't enjoying that baby, and she's here, and I'm so tired, and all I wanna do is just stare at the wall and pray that she sleeps for another 20 minutes. People keep telling me I will forget how hard being pregnant was and having a baby? I guarantee you, I will not. <laughs> if you hear anything I'm saying, believe me, I will not forget. Why am I telling you this? Because it's so easy to blame our kids when things are hard. Because it's really hard to say, this is hard and I'm drowning and I don't know what to do. I'm sure I'll feel this way again, right? Like when she's a toddler or when she's a teenager or maybe a thousand times in her life. But guess what? It's not her fault, and I shouldn't have said it was. When our kids require a lot from us, it's because they need a lot, not because they are a lot. She was having a hard time, not giving me a hard time. So I just want you to put that phrase in your pocket. And the next time you feel like everything's melting, pull that out and say, what is my most generous interpretation of this interaction? Even if it's not with your kid, if it's with your partner or it's with your friend or your family, they're having a hard time. They're not giving me a hard time. And I can totally see some of you saying, like, just ask for help. What, first of all, <laughs> what good does asking for help do when the whole system is built to overwork you in the first place? Um, also, how can you ask for help when you know, you're not even sure what you need? You know the whole like a taking a break spiel I gave you a few minutes ago? Yeah, I haven't done that. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> I have taken a few like small breaks, but I haven't had a day off since January. Like Monday through Friday, I work my normal job. Saturday and Sunday, I do church stuff. And Nova stays with me all the time. Like I don't do childcare, so. She's just with me at work. I guess technically we had President's Day off, but she stayed up literally all night that night, so we barely survived that day. And people keep telling me, oh, I don't know how you're doing this. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> 
You do it because it has to be done. And that's my situation, right? But if you've been a mom or you have been around a kid 24-7, you just do what needs to be done. You do it because it has to be done, right? And I mean this quite literally without my husband and my mom, I would not be standing here. Like I would have had a mental breakdown for sure because behind every mom is a support team. Maybe yours is your partner and your family. Maybe yours is chosen family. Maybe yours is friends. And that's why I said at the beginning, if you're not a mom and you're here, you are a support person for a mom. And trust me, they need you. But I'm going to give you a cheat sheet if you're a support person for a mom. This is what moms actually need, okay? Take notes. Number one, moms need a shoulder to cry on. Moms need for other parents to say, it was hard for me too. Why? So she knows she's not alone. Because it's really easy to feel alone and say, my baby is the only one who does this. Everyone else seems to be having such a great time with their newborn or their toddler or their teenager. I must be the only one who's struggling with this. I must be the only one who wants to yell at my kid uh, because they won't listen to me. I must be the only one who's struggling with my teenager trying to do crazy things and sneaking out. I must be the only, no, you're not. <laughs> parents need for other parents to say, you are not alone. And for, if you don't have kids, this is what parents need to hear from you. I hear you, this is hard. It's okay to be upset, you're a great Mom, that's what people need to hear. Number two, moms need support for how they feed their babies. Don't just say things like, breast is best, or fed is best, okay? Don't just say that. This is what moms need someone to say. And I, like, I'm talking about newborns here, but this applies to, maybe you're, you have a toddler, and the only thing they will put in their face is a chicken nugget. Okay, <laughs> this is what moms need to hear. You are feeding your baby. You love your baby. I know this might not be how you wanted this to go or how you planned for this to go, but you are strong and you are resilient and you are the safe space your baby needs no matter how you feed her. Number three, what moms need, so much grace. <laughs> If you need a mom to do something for you, just be patient, okay? She's busy. Someone's demanding her attention 24-7. It's not that she doesn't care about you, she's just busy. If it's not urgent, do it yourself. Okay? <laughs> Take it off her plate. Give her some grace. If she doesn't text you back for three days, don't make her apologize, okay? She's really busy. Number four, respect boundaries. If a mom says no, it means no. Now, I know we want our kids to listen to this, right? No means no. No, I'm talking to the adults in the room. <laughs> if a mom's like, I'm sorry, I can't do that, just don't make her explain why, okay? <laughs> she might be 30 seconds away from crying her eyes out. She might have had the worst day full of... <laughs> she, might <laughs> she might have had that. You don't know what happened in her day, or her week, or her year. Another thing moms need, sleep. Oh my God. 
<laughs> Especially for a new mom. Do you want to know how you can help a new mom? Come over and hold that baby so she can take a nap. I promise you she's dying inside. If she could just get us some sleep, she'll quit crying. <laughs> you can't sleep. If you don't sleep, the emotional regulation part of your brain literally turns off. There is no emotionally regulating anything when you have had three to four hours of interrupted sleep for days, <laughs> weeks. It's not possible, okay? Sleep. Number, another thing moms need, a hot meal. I cannot tell you, oh my gosh, moms eat a lot of cold, slightly stale food. And this goes for like toddler moms too and teenage moms, like they're running around doing stuff for their kids. Toddler moms, they wanna eat your food and then they're doing stuff and like smearing yogurt down their pants and like, what? you don't get to eat a hot meal. Just give a mom a hot meal. Hold the baby so she can eat a hot meal. And these last two, okay, take note. A mom needs help without instruction and help that listens to instructions. Okay, so help without instruction. If a mom works up the courage to ask you for something, please don't tell her how she could do it differently or manage her time better or restructure her day so that she has more time for things or how she could possibly get her baby to stop crying and do X, Y, and Z. Just, just help her. Okay, if a mom's like, can you please just give me a coffee? You'd be like, well, you know, if you sleep trained your baby, then you wouldn't need caffeine. Okay, you can hush. <laughs> There's a million examples. Help without instruction, just do it. And help that listens to instruction. If a mom says, can you please do this for me this way? Don't be like, well, I think it could be better if you did it this way. I promise you, if a mom has an older kid, she's having that conversation 24 seven. <laughs> Kids are like, why are we doing it this way? Why can't we do it this way? I don't like the way we're doing it. Just, if you're an adult, you have the capacity to just do it and listen. Okay? Don't argue. All the moms say amen. 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 <laughs> if you're a mom, I just want to talk to you directly for a second. Because it's, I know it's hard. I know, like, I'm only this far into it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hear me, please. No matter how many times you have lost it or yelled, or shut down your child's emotions because it was triggering for you, no matter how many times you have wished for a break from your kids, or if you have older kids, no matter how many times you have told them no and set a boundary for them and then stayed up all night questioning whether that was the right decision, no matter how many arguments you've gotten into with your teen or your adult child, no matter how many times you wish you could have done things differently, you are the best mama for your babies. You are the best mama for your babies. I see you. God sees you. And what's even better, God understands you. God is a mother too. A mother that has birthed all of creation. Your feelings matter. Your mental health matters because you are what your child needs. And I just wanna share, if I can make it through this without crying, it'll be a miracle. But I just wanna share some beautiful words written by Jess Ehrlich. 
for mamas. This is your baby talking, okay? Mama, all I see is you. When you feel alone, like the walls are closing in, remember, I'm here too. I know your world has changed and your days feel a little lonely, but they aren't lonely for me. You're my everything. When you feel like you don't know what you're doing, you make it look easy to me because you know me better than anyone. I trust you. When you think you'll never sleep again, you will. We both will, but I'm scared. I promise I'm not manipulating you. I just need your smell and your comfort. Do you feel that tug in your heart when we're apart? I feel it too. I miss you. When you feel like you've achieved nothing, please know that my cup has never been so full. The days that get away from you will be some of my best memories. I love you. When you feel like you don't know who you are anymore, when you turn away from the mirror, your face is the one I'll look for when I achieve something. The one I search for in a crowd. The reason for my smiles. You're perfect to me. When you feel like the weight of it all is so heavy in your heart, please know that I've never felt lighter. Can I be with you just a little longer? I won't always need you like this, but I need you now. When you feel as if you have nothing left to give, when I see your hands outstretched at me, pleading, when we're both crying, <laughs> there's a reason I always choose you. I can't see past you because you, because, <laughs> because you are my world. It will get bigger soon enough. But for now, all I see is you. That was a good break, because I was crying anyways. <laughs> we have two more songs, and then I'll come back and give you a benediction and also share some special news about our donations for this month. So I just invite you to stand and sing together and if you're a mom and you're feeling like this is hard, take a huge breath in and let it out and wrap your arms around yourself. You're the best mama for your babies and it's gonna be okay. <laughs> 